0: Welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we wanna do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it up. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. Even if, even if you're in the middle of it today, whatever it is, you're here on the right Sunday. I did pray this morning, God, don't let this be an Easter hangover. That's what we say in the church world when you have Easter and we've got you know overflow into the lobby and then the next week the chairs are empty not the case today but thank you for being here i was thinking as we were doing worship i don't know why anyone who's in green bay or the surrounding areas isn't here and doesn't want to be here like holy cow i i actually last week after service um, pastor called me because i was in toronto uh, for easter and he said the worship at Life Church, you could put in any city in America, in any size city, and people would just feel the anointing and be blown away. I don't, I don't understand what's going on here, but I know it's God. And I understand more why I was given this first part of the series of Philippians. At first, I was upset with Pastor Dallas, just to be honest. Uh, he gave me Philippians 1, 1 through 8, which is an introduction. It's like telling someone, preach the preface of a book just the index. Can you preach the index? And then see how that goes. And so it says, I thank God, my God, this is Paul, because he's writing a letter to the church of Ph- of Philippi, and he says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. I'm like, literally, it's the beginning of a letter. Like, dear Gwendolyn, like, whoop-de-doo, right? He says, then he says in five, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and then partnership jumped out at me, and I thought, still can't preach that, Pastor Dallas. Thanks a lot. Partnership, what I will say is that uh, the church, because the church is the Jesus, covenant bride. The church is the bride of Jesus. There's a covenant there. We as a church, a church body as a whole, not a church building. We are in covenant with you if you want that. And we will be in partnership with you on your Jesus journey. The church is the bride of Jesus, therefore it is a strong connection and we will be in connection and partnership with you. But that's not what I'm preaching today. Instead, I'm gonna tell you in a second where I finally found the verse that's gonna hopefully change your life forever. But let's pray first. God, thank you that there is a partnership that is going on between us and you right now, the people in their seats and you, the shepherd, And there's a partnership that we get to take part in, as Paul referred to, between the church and the people in the church. God, the church, big church, and then the individual person. So thank you for that. But God, reveal something personal, something life-changing today, even in the first short verses. In Jesus' name, amen. That still had a little bit of angst in it. Um, So, but it is in Philippians 1.6, it does say, Paul says, being confident of this, this partnership, That he, God, who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. There it is. You've heard that even if you're not, you haven't been raised in the church. You've heard, he who began a good work, he's gonna be faithful to complete it. And it's one of those cliches, right? It's become a cliche, kind of like when somebody dies and you're told, well, God needed another angel in heaven. Lie, not true, cliche, not a good thing to say to someone, FYI. God didn't need another angel in heaven. And actually we don't become angels. And so that is not a good cliche. And this one is a good verse that's become a cliche that's lost its power, but there's power in it. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until of the day of Jesus Christ. So what does carry it on to completion mean? It's much bigger than God who started the helping you build your house will be faithful to help you complete the doorways and the crown molding. Way beyond that, although we use that in our life. It's actually completion and the way to completion in our Jesus journey is called sanctification. Now sanctification is a big word and it means to set apart to a sacred purpose, to consecrate to be free from sin or purify. And there's a pattern of sanctification, which is we soften and then we grow. We go through trials, which usually makes us either get harder or softer to Jesus. We either blame God for our trials, or as Pastor Dallas said, we we're honest with him and say, do you even care? And then he, he shows up and he says, yeah, I actually do. And I'm not worried about it. And I've got you. And then we go, oh, okay. So then our heart softens and then we grow or we go through trials, or we go through successes and promotion and make more money and have more power, and our heart grows hard. But a sanctification process looks like, soften, grow, soften, grow. I would say the antithesis of that is when we go through things, good or bad, we harden and we get stuck. Now, we might not get stuck on financial gain or on the life that we're seeking after, but we get stuck on our Jesus journey, but we need to have sanctification. But here's the thing, there's two kinds of sanctifications. Positional sanctification, which is you're justified, meaning the minute you accept Jesus into your life, he justifies you to get to heaven. And let me just pause. There is a heaven and there is a hell. Pastor said to us weeks ago that 60% of church-going Americans believe that there is no hell. Church-going Americans in a Barna research study. So I'm not sure um, why they're going to heaven. I mean, why they're going to church because um, I mean, I wanna go to heaven, but like it's not enough for me to be like, well, I wanna go to heaven That's a great goal, but if it doesn't happen like what, it's just a black, dark, nothing at the end. I like that I have a bit of fear pushing me from the back saying, and there's a hell and there's a consequence. There is a heaven and there is a hell. Now church and that partnership does not get you to heaven or keep you out of hell, but the church and partnership helps you on your sanctification process. But the best and biggest part of sanctification is positional sanctification, that you position yourself and say, Jesus, take my life and you are justified and you are sanctified, step one. However, there's also progressive sanctification. And this is the part that we have to play with the Holy Spirit. This is why Life Church is saying we need more of the Holy Spirit. We need to quit relying on ourselves. We need to quit relying on the way we grew up, that God was God. And then there were priests and sisters and pastors, and we're looking to the pastor and we're looking to a person. And we said, yes, we need to look to Jesus, but we need the power and the comfort and the counsel and the conviction of the Holy spirit because progressive sanctification requires that we feel convicted sometimes so that we grow. So that we soften and then we grow and then we soften and then we grow. What what Josiah just said at the end of worship, I think it was very timely because I just learned that we have been misinterpreting the scripture. He will leave the 99 to go after the one to think it means us, that Sean and Sonny Hennessy are to leave the 99 to go after the one. Actually, Jesus, leaves the 99 to go after the one. You and I are not responsible for that. The one that runs away. What we are responsible for are the lost sheep, not the runaway sheep, but the lost people out there. We're to go to the lost, but the shepherd, the good shepherd is the one that runs after you. When you go AWOL, Jesus is coming after you, not the pastors, not your friend, not the children's team, not the worship team that you've been a part of. We're not meant to run after you if you go from our partnership when you leave our partnership. That's actually not biblical. Jesus will find you. Jesus will seek you out. Jesus won't leave you alone and the Holy Spirit will convict you to come back to the flock. But we are here to be in partnership if you'd like it. So we're here to be that partnership to help you in your sanctification process. Uh, I wanna introduce something that we're gonna be talking out a, a lot about in our staff, our leadership, but also uh, I mentioned this a few weeks ago during the prayer time, that the church is to be a hospital, right? That's why we all, it's our job to go after the lost, like the lost meaning not saved. If you're going after a church person who's at another church, just stop. They're going to heaven. Hopefully they believe in hell and heaven and they're in church or they're a Christian or they're preaching holy things to you. Let them go. That's not your, your job. My job is the lost person. Your job is the lost person, meaning lost without Jesus, have, having not had positional sanctification, a time where they're justified by receiving Jesus. That's who we to, we're to go to. So we're a hospital. We have one set of big doors at the front. They're glass doors. We would make a great, legit hospital for the ER area pull that baby right up. In fact, Pastor Barry, I hear parks up on the sidewalk when we're not looking. I found that out and I thought, he feels he's got a positional justification to be a certain place in the parking lot. And I took your spot out back today, by the way. He has to park in a place that is not a parking spot. We're working on that pride um, in his life. Um, (laughs) Pastor Barry's Uncle Barry. He's more like a brother to me, so I'm not hating. But we are a great hospital. You can pull right up. In fact, I love when I see you waiting for people at the door, because you can stand at the pillar, the coffee bar, the bathroom, the welcome center, and you, you know where they're coming in. It's easy, it's the ER. We are taking people in. The hospital always needs to be available. The church always needs to be a hospital. That's really Sunday mornings are a fantastic hospital. But then we move to a point of family. Now, some people hear, hello, church family, be a part of our family. And for some of you that triggers a response and really that's a sign, do journey to wholeness, because if the word family makes you cringe, uh, then you might need to do some journeying, but I get it because families are chaotic and they're messy and you've got uncles who did bad things and you've got cousins who don't speak to the family and you've got mother-in-laws that wreck your Christmas. I mean, family creates chaos. But then we wonder why we might sometimes have chaos in church, because we're people. The Bible says where the stables are empty, they're clean. But where there are oxen filling the stables, there's a lot of poop. Straight up manure. It's a mess. It's a wreck, but we're worth it because we're in partnership with you and you're in partnership with us. The problem is though, that us pastors, us leaders, you who really wanna bring people in, when we become family, you covenant like Jesus covenant. Now that's not a problem, that's good. It's just that sometimes we covenant with you the minute you come in the door and you're not ready to covenant. You know, marriage is a covenant, but a lot of people have prenups because they don't think it's forever. In Sean and I's mind, Pastor Dallas and Shelby, and I can tell you from everybody on the team, when you come in, it's not cultish, it's very family-ish that we're like, you're ours, you're our family. And the minute you get on a team, we're like, this is for life. They're in our world, they're gonna be at our funeral. And then when you leave, we're heartbroken. And then we misinterpret the verse that we're to go chase you. No, if you come to the hospital, you get bandaged up, you get justified through surgery and Jesus does the thing on your heart and you go out, hospital did what it needed to do. You didn't wanna become family, that's okay. Or you did for a while, totally cool. Some of us have to release the people who are gonna go to heaven out into the wild. Some of us need to quit putting energy on the people we lose that have been in our life for a season because we wanted them forever. And we're blinded to the lost in Green Bay, Wisconsin and Appleton and Shawnee and Manitowoc and Marinette. I mean, we've had people that have come from over an hour and a half away for 10 years because there's goodness here. And I think they're my covenant family. But if at any point a great church got their attention there and they quit driving, I can't get so hurt about it. I didn't need to like think it's a divorce, but it feels like a divorce. So we move from hospital to family, some of us, then more coming in the hospital, they move into family. Then there's a point where we, we get even more committed and some will covenant with us, but some won't, that's okay. But we have to all eventually, and this is the sanctification process, we have to move to armed forces. Not everybody's ready for that. And they shouldn't go in the army if their leg is half cut off. They shouldn't go in the army if they walk in and they're blind. They shouldn't go in the military if they're limping and they're fatigued and they're dehydrated. And so the hospital is where they get the healing from Jesus, from the shepherd, not from us, not from Sean and Sonny, not from Dallas and Shelby, not from a person. You don't need to look to us. You look to the savior. He does the work. Then we're like, oh, happy family. You good, good, oh, good. Holidays, yeah, see you on Easter again next year. That's it. Um, see you at Christmas, like family. you know. We won't see some of those people again, so family. And then some of us move to covenant and we're gonna be here every Sunday. Worship team here is, is here so early. Kids team is wiping snotty noses. I just, I love babies, but when the noses are snotty and they just do it unto the Lord, that's covenant people, right? And then some, a few, the proud, the brave, become armed forces. It's not just the staff, although we have to lead the way. We've had some cleansing and purging over the years and it is good. And then we lead the way and then some of you enlist and some of you determine we're gonna take the hill, but that only comes through the sanctification process the antithesis of what I'm talking about is in Ezekiel 33, 30 through 32. So they come to you in crowds as if they were really ready to listen. They sit in front of you as if they were people and hear your words, but they will not obey them. Not me, the words. With their mouths they tell me they love me, but their hearts desire their selfish prophets. Ugh, here's another one. Then they come to you. Actually, this is a different version, same verse. Then they come to you as a group. Sit down in front of you as if they were my people. They hear your words, scripture. This is Jesus speaking. And then they, it's, it's Ezekiel in Ezekiel, but it's like he's hearing. He's a prophet hearing from the Lord. And then they don't do what you say because they're seeking only their own desires. They pursue ill-gotten prophets and they keep following their own interests. This is when we divide. And we know if we go from hospital and healed to family to moving forward is at some point our own interests, our own desires aren't met. And that could happen. Some of you won't be with us in this church next month. We're a church for anybody and not for everybody. That's okay. There's a lot of great churches in Green Bay. There are churches that are smaller. There are churches that are medium. There are churches that the, the, team, the way it's set up, the worship, the way it's set up, it is a better fit. That is okay. But what we know is we have to move from it because if we don't grow, we go. We don't just go from a church. We go from Jesus. We go from our spiritual journey. Here's a great quote. Uh, To be smug is to be falsely content with the results that are skimpy. It is not an outright rejection of God's word, it is more of a mixture of a sense of exaggerated self-importance and a numbing lack of urgency. I love C.S. Lewis and I'm quoting somebody who's in here um, who said this at our discipleship night. He was quoting C.S. Lewis and and in screw tape letters, it's a fictional, but it's a great book that would describe the demonic world. Uh, And C.S. Lewis said that the uncle, the mentor demon, was teaching the nephew, the mentoree demon. And he said, you need to go and you need to draw people away from God. You need to keep them from heaven and get them to hell. And the nephew said, okay, I have an idea. I'm going to tell them that there's no hell. He's like, N- th- well, honestly, he's like, that worked for 60% of the people. I need something better. He gave another suggestion. I'm gonna, I'm gonna convince them there's no God. And he's like, God keeps showing up and pr- you know, proving himself over and over. The world has billions of Christians, it didn't work. And the, ne- and the nephew said, I've got it. I'll convince them there's no hurry. And the mentor demon said, that's a good one, that's perfect. And I think that COVID has blessed us, quote me on that. I believe that COVID has made the church sit up and take note and have some urgency that there is no time to waste. We are no longer gonna be smug we're no longer gonna be like, oh, well, we're on the fastest growing church lit. We're, we've been done with that for a few years before COVID. It, it's it's the, the thing that we don't need to chase after. We don't need to be smug about anything. May I never boast in anything other than the cross of Jesus Christ. That is the way the church, this church is moving. And so again, this is in different words about why to be sanctified. And you're like, well, how do I get sanctified? I'm getting there. Oh, you don't know what wrongdoers that the wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God, question mark, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Second Corinthians 2.13, and we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. Another scripture says from glory to glory to glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. So today I am gonna give you practical markers for sanctification and I'm going to choose to use a football field. Not just because we're in Green Bay Packer land, I'm not a Fairweather fan. I had Warren Moon, um, football cards uh, in high school. I have been, Joe Montana and my dad look alike. My dad used to have to finally sign Jack Montana. Like, no, I'm not Joe, I'm Jack, but they wouldn't leave him alone, he looks so much. I've been a football fan for a long time. So I get and I love, and our son's played football, he continues to play football, the football concept. I see our Jesus journey as going from, well, there it is, going from one end zone to the other. I see our Jesus journey as linear. We're moving down the field. Uh, For instance, if you've been a Christian for 20 years and you're still in the other team's end zone or the 10 yard line, that's a problem. You should be over here. Now you won't get to the end zone till heaven, your end zone, but you should be moving. Now I love how football, you, you sometimes lose some yards. But you have three downs to really get it right. And on the fourth, you're done, right? Like, uh, you, well, we gotta start over. And some of us start over. We literally, we, we, you know, why God, why God? But we keep doing our habit and then we end up back here. That's why it's like a football game. So the football field and the markers, the hash marks are your Jesus journey. This is how I see it. Four stages and these are like goals. So the first word up here is welcoming. That's for us individual. I'm not talking church. I'm talking as a Jesus person. I need to be welcoming. I need to be welcoming to Jesus. First of all, if I don't welcome him into my heart, That's a problem. If I don't welcome Jesus people into my life. Some of us have accepted Jesus and we would never get on a team. We would never get in a group because that would be welcoming someone into our life. And frankly, we've just been burned. We've just been hurt. But if we're in the hospital stage of the church and of getting on board, we're welcoming Jesus and we're welcoming people. We're letting some walls come down because we want to come for healing and wholeness. Although this sounds a little bit like the world, right? Like we come, we are welcoming to Jesus and others. We love others. We say nice things. That sounds a lot like the world. Just love is love. It's just about love and welcoming. The difference is, is that welcoming in your Jesus journey is having a soft heart. So we can't get to the next step, which is vulnerable. As the Jesus person, our next goal, our next hash mark is being vulnerable. It's being vulnerable, and and Pastor Dallas, we didn't coordinate this next service, I can't say this, Uh, but last, um, when he did the prayer talk and he said, Peter went ahead and said, do you even care? That's okay. Somebody sent me, one of our staff members sent me last night a tweet by Tony Evans, he's a great pastor. And he said, there's a difference between having a question for God and questioning God. That's, a vuln- that's first welcoming, a soft heart to say, I don't understand, and do you even care? That's a heart posture of softness of I welcome your answer, God, and I need to say vulnerably, do you even care? Great examples even this morning. So vulnerable is where you're still in that hospital phase, you or your friends coming in, but you know what draws people to the hospital? That they see that you're vulnerable and it worked for you. If I go, I mean, we saw in the news during COVID, the the hospitals that were, you know, out of ventilators. People were going to different hospitals. Stay away from that one. I heard that they're at capacity for ventilators. They're at capacity for beds. For, for us, if we're not vulnerable and people don't also see that in our vulnerability, in our weakness, not in our religiosity, but in our weakness, he has helped and changed us. They're not going to come to this hospital because it looks like the doors are shut and there's no beds available. We are willing to let our walls down when we're vulnerable, and then we have have healing from our weaknesses. Now, I will say this is why we've become a journey to wholeness church because we're not just going to say, "Come, love Jesus, be a wreck, and then just stay that way." That's great. No, this is very early on. We're like, "Do journey to wholeness emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Let's get healing." And we don't judge any story. I had someone call me this week, and they said, "I need you to keep this very, very under wraps. Um, I need." no one to know my story because if it got around it would be crazy and i'm even embarrassed to tell you. Well we're we're working with pastors and leaders and people uh here and also in North Carolina having retreat after retreat of journey to wholeness intensives. And i said, "Girl, let me just tell you, there is nothing that surprises me anymore." You I mean, we had someone on our rise after the fall podcast who murdered someone went to jail, found Jesus, and now is a pastor. Now he can't keep murdering people, but like there is no story that is too far gone or person who's too far gone. So family, we moved to family, which then we're, I mean, we're getting, look at where we're getting to. We're about to have a first down, right? Then we become a family, and a healthy family is the goal over a dysfunctional family. I don't wanna be your, yeah, I do wanna be your crazy aunt, let's be honest. (laughs) I would love that. It's my Aunt Judy's birthday today. I don't know if she's watching, but I'm gonna send her this link and say, watch me, Pastor Judy. Pastor Judy, who had, Pastor Judy, she's not, she's Aunt Judy, never been a pastor. Been a youth leader, she's been my pastor. Been a youth leader forever and uh, still ministers to her special needs classroom, to people in a town of about 300. And she changed my world. I want to be that crazy aunt. I mean, she just, she does things like spill and fall like I do and wear mismatched shoes and things like that. And I just, I want to be her because her love for Jesus outweighs her pride. And if she comes across cool enough and sharp enough. And I just, I love that. Uh, But a lot of us have dysfunctional families. So when I say family, Uh, what I'm saying is let's be a healthy family. And that's why healthy comes next. That we would humbly accept instruction. You know, there are families that they can't talk about things that need to be talked about to the point that some of you have been molested by an uncle. I hate that this is the normal thing I hear more than anything else about molestation on a girl is that an uncle uh, molested the, the child, the girl. And when the girl finally had the guts or her sister or brother had the guts to tell her mom and dad, they didn't wanna blow up family dinners or blow up the holidays, so they just just shushed it away so the uncle could sit up at the table still. Like I, I, a dozen times I've heard it from different people, the same story. And so I wanna have a functional family where we're willing to hear instruction. We would now seek to be spirit-filled so that we will boldly speak what only the Holy Spirit would push us to speak to one another, that we don't shrink back we don't shrink back like we do at holidays that we actually as a family, we step into who we are. Like I really believe who we are should come alive at Life Church. You know what it feels like when you go back home, if you like have families out of town and you go back home and you shrink back from a 45 year old to a 13 year old boy. And you know, you, you don't even talk about what you do because you just go back into the position that you left the family. The spirit doesn't have a shrink back. He has a step into a calling that sometimes our family doesn't even understand. Jesus Jesus said to his mother, to Mary, he said, she said, what about your family? And his brothers didn't believe he was the Messiah. And he said, who is my family? His point was, if you don't see what I'm doing and what I have to do on this earth, then I've gotta just keep moving forward because I can't shrink back to be little Jesus and little James' brother. I can't be that. We covenant at this point often because we realize, not because we're saying get, just separate from your uh, biological family. Listen, we are not, I'm not Leah Remini and we are not Scientology. You are not to disconnect from your family. You are to stay in connection and you're to be a light to your family. However, some of us are stepping into a spiritual family, a covenant because the Holy Spirit is urging us to do it. Number four, accountability, accountable. We become accountable on our Jesus journey. This is where we probably find a mentor. This is probably where we're on a team and there's a leader and we're on a, in a group, a life group, and there's a leader and there's someone that we're willing to be open and honest, but also to hear them. And also when they say to us, you've been living with that person for five years, coming to life church for three years, it's time you make it right. How are we, this just, this just in, how can we make good covenants in a church when we don't make good covenants in marriage anymore. When in a movie it ends with, here's the keys to my apartment and we go, yay, they're going to live together. But you know, we're in a city where there's a church that's, that, that does, that, that won't marry you if you live together, but is raising up parents of adults saying, you should try it out, live with them first. So there's a church, big C church that says, if you were divorced, if you're living together, we won't marry you. But we're not going to encourage you or your parents to live morally, to know you need to be in covenant before you're having sex with that person. You need to be in covenant before you're married. And then we wonder why we've got a church problem with lack of covenants. So then we become more committed. This is where I believe that the covenant comes in, and this comes when we're ready in our Jesus journey to be disciplined. Now remember, these steps, please don't try to go to step four or five right away if you're new in your Jesus journey. That's the beauty of partnership in a church. That's the beauty of sanctification. It's progressive. It's a goal. So we're committed when we're discipled, probably at that higher level, and we believe that God calls us to be disciples. We believe we should learn our spiritual gifts and we begin to be used. See how many steps before we really are ready, like put me on stage, put me in front of people, let me lead people in the Bible because we're just doing inner work. Number six, we are peacemakers when we're Jesus people. Again, just because we're loving, this is, okay, Who welcoming, sounds like the world welcoming, inclusive, everybody come, love, love, love is love, anything goes, okay? that That's where we start at the beginning of our Jesus journey. We do hear what we hear the world does, which is it's all about love. It, that is true. And then when you find Jesus and he justifies you and sanctifies you, there's a purification. And you realize that there's more to it so that when you get to peacemaker, you realize that in love, in kindness, in the fruits of the spirit, now I need to not be a peacekeeper and allow bad voices, worldly voices, demonic voices to run my home, the school, the place I work and live. I'm a peacemaker by speaking the truth in love. We're peacemakers by committing to a unity, but to commit to do as Matthew says, to go directly to a person to make peace. It could be through confrontation, not through stuffing. And then finally we get to the armed forces. That's a lot of work to get there, but this is a life of sanctification. Pioneers, not everyone, I I believe that we're gonna, most of us are gonna get to to disciplined and peacemaker in our lifetime. I believe only a few are gonna get to pioneer and lead the way, but I don't think that that's God's decision, I think that's us. Just like I have almost gotten a six pack multiple times in my life, almost. If a six pack is pioneer, I've gotten to accountable and then hated accountability. I don't wanna do macros. I can do the lifting, I got six pack under there. I just got some layers that the macros, whatever that does, I don't do math, so I hate that. And I, I, calorie counting, I don't like it. So the accountable part, that's where I, I take the train, I get off that stop. So I have the ability, I mean, my husband, and he thinks I'm pretty wonderful. I love you, babe, because he's literally watching live. Um, my husband has said for years, you could, you could be a bodybuilder. I think it's his way of getting me to look better, but um, it comes across like he ha- thinks I have very good genes and I can become a bodybuilder. The problem is I only will go to that certain level of accountability, and then I'm, I'm, then I'm done. So I believe I could be all the way to the end zone in that area, it would just take more work for me. It's not a God thing, it's not a trainer that I haven't had who was good thing, it was a me thing. And so in the armed forces for the Lord, pioneers, few will get there. But pioneers will seek guidance, but they also will go against the grain and they will keep pushing when everybody else says they're crazy. Pioneers are the ones that everybody left back home when they're loading up the wagon train are saying, you're gonna die. It's not gonna work. It's never been done. I don't even know what California is. I've heard North Dakota's ugly and they're right. Why did they ever go to North Dakota? Why did my family settle in North Dakota and South Dakota? Why did they go to Iowa? People were telling them truth And they went anyway. So I come from a line of pioneers. You come from a line of trailblazers and pioneers if you're from this area. That's why we're strong women, we're hardworking men because pioneers go against the grain. They don't do what's easy. And eventually the ultimate goal is that we would lead the way. Not just lead the way to Jesus. We should be leading people to Jesus all the time when we're welcoming, when we're vulnerable. That's how we, we lead people to Jesus, but lead the way in that we will go and do what seems crazy. David danced, I don't think he was naked. He was in something that looked like a fabric diaper. And and David danced through the streets because he was celebrating a victory. His own wife rebuked him, but he is written about in the Bible like he's the favorite child. He was the only man, even through his mess and messing up, that it is said that he was a man after God's own heart. Softness of heart, soft grow soft, grow. Softness, growth, softness, growth, softness, growth. And it requires that you have softness at that next level of being disciplined, of being a disciple, of being accountable, that you're soft so that you grow to the next level. I I wanna show you this right before we conclude. Uh, Christ Church in Dublin, it's the cathedral in Dublin. I believe we've been there one time because we helped plant a church there years ago. It depicts the fruits of the Holy Spirit and the role models representing them. And Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Meaning there is no th- nothing that will keep you from getting to the end zone. There is no law against things like this. Meaning if we soften and grow and we get to these mile markers, nothing will stop us. And, and so in this picture... We have the good shepherd representing love. We have an angel representing joy. We have Jesus, the prince of peace, representing peace. But I love how these line up with our markers because how do we we become a peacemaker? Fruit of the spirit, peace. Our model is Jesus. Our example is Jesus. Job is long-suffering patience. Jonathan, he's, he was David's sidekick, King David. His was faithfulness. He was more committed to King David because of the spiritual connotation than his crazy biological father, Saul. Ruth, gentleness and goodness. Moses, kindness. And I love this. John the Baptist wraps it up in the end zone. He'd be like the, the coon, the John coon, of, um, of the Bible. Uh, everybody yells, Clone! I know he's gone, but just that rugged, he doesn't, you know, have finesse, but he just plows into the end zone. John the Baptist temperance or self-control, he led the way. And get this, John the Baptist said, a voice in the wilderness comes, but I'm leading way leading the way to point you to the real King, the real Prince of Peace. John the Baptist went before to pave the way for Jesus. And he was doing things that they said, he's crazy John the Baptist. He's living in the wilderness, looks like a crazy man. He was a pioneer and he was leading the way. So if heaven is where full sanctification is fulfilled all the way in the end zone, then then why even work towards it now? Why progressively try to be sanctified? One of the things you could call it is holiness. Why be holy? And that is a question I think, uh, especially before the pandemic, that churches that were about holiness were shrinking and churches that were about happy, happy, joy, joy were growing because it seems like an option to live in holiness. It seems like an option to be sanctified, but it's not. And you know why? And I believe that the answer is in, I took some of your verses, Pastor Dallas. The answer, I stole his, is Paul says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of, the, of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So it, the answer is, because if we do these things, we'll be ready. Like we're prepping for game day. We're prepping for the Super Bowl. We're prepping for him to return and we get to go with, but we just don't get to go with. We get to go and have the jewels and the mansion and the streets of gold and the crowns. Like there's rewards in heaven because we did some progressive sanctification on earth. And this is the other thing I think that God is really saying is, I don't really wanna wait till heaven to be close to you. Like he longs for us. The Bible says he's a jealous God only of us, only of our affection. And some of us are given him this, like the dad that lives in New Hampshire and you live here and you've seen him every five years. And God is saying, but I miss you, I love you. He's like the dad who, who's standing at the doorway uh, at Christmas time, knowing the kids and grandkids are gonna pull in the driveway and he's just standing there waiting. God wants to do this thing with us progressively so it's not just when we all get to heaven. There's an old song, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing it will be. When we all get to heaven, and, and we used to sing that and that's great, but man, I'd love to feel some of that now because I'm close to him and getting closer. So are you ready for the big day? Will you bow your head, close your eyes. Jesus. I pray that you would soften our hearts even now because I believe there's some people in here that right now what they're going through is just a hardness of heart. They might be any point on this sanctification process, uh, this journey, but God, there's a hardness that's taken over. So I pray a softness a softness of everybody rather than just praying for those who who raise their hand in a moment. Instead, I pray for everyone, a softness, walls to come down, them to realize that they are justified in you if they've received you, but God, that they can trust you in the process and that you have them. Now, if you would keep your head bowed, your eyes closed, if you don't have Jesus, like you're not ready for game day. You're not ready for for the trumpet to sound and us to get to go to heaven or to die and know where you're gonna go because there is a heaven or hell. And you'd say, that's me, I need Jesus. Nobody's gonna point you out. You can just slip up a hand or make eye contact with me or both. And, and I just wanna know so we can pray with you and everybody in this place will pray at the same time in a moment. No one will be centered out. If that's you and you say, I need Jesus, Will you raise your hand? Will you slip your hand up and look at me? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else that I missed? Thank you, thank you. All right, everybody in here, let's, oh, thank you. Thank you. Everybody in here, let's bow our head. I mean, let's repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I love you. I need you. Forgive me. I'm a sinner, I repent, so justify me, change me, be my savior, in my Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. You guys, I already prayed for you all, but if that's you, as, as um, we finish out the service, if you would just boldly raise your hand and say, I just need prayer for my heart to be softened. We'll just raise your hand really high and just say, yeah, lots of us. I mean, that's the vulnerable part, right? Nobody wants to say I have a hard heart, but I love that we can just vulnerably say I need it. So God, again, just soften hearts, God, change us, change this church that we would know that yes, we're a hospital forever and always, and yes, we're a family, but God, that some of us are trying to get to the point where we can take the hill. So soften us so we can grow, soften us so we can grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Still thinking about the message? Go follow our message recap podcast, chew on that, the Chew on That podcast is a podcast where Life Church staff chew over the latest messages to dig deeper into our faith. Tap the link in the episode description to have a listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week.